Hi, I'm Juan Galloway. And I'm Tracy Galloway. Welcome to our podcast, 36 Questions. This is an unscripted show where we candidly and spontaneously answer 36 questions that lead to love. These 36 questions were invented by psychologist Arthur Aaron, who created this exercise to help people be vulnerable in order to foster closeness and intimacy. We have been married since 1992 and have four awesome grown children together. We have both been in Christian leadership for over 30 years. We have been youth pastors, church planters, lead pastors, ministry school directors, nonprofit leaders, and are now missionaries. Yes, we are missionaries with youth with a mission. YWAM, the largest missions organization in the world, and are following our call to know God and make him known to the nations. You know, our hope is that as we dig deep into each other's lives, that you will be inspired to do the same. Let's dive in. Hello there. Hello there, cutie. Great to be back with you. It's been a while since we've recorded an episode. And uh, we're now, last time, where were we? By the way, when I said cutie, I was looking into Juan's eyes. It's not the listener, even though you may be very cute. The cutie was meant for him. Yes. (laughs) So where did we record last time? Do you remember? Okay. So we have been on the road, y'all. We were in St. Thomas, the Virgin Islands. Last time we recorded. We just come out of two months in Mexico, the jungles of Mexico. Right. And lots of great stories we had. So and St. Then, Thomas, we were there for four weeks ministering. Yeah, ministering. And then we traveled to Florida, Florida South Carolina, North Carolina, Carolina, Virginia. We went through some other states and then Delaware, made it to Philadelphia to see our new granddaughter. Hosanna. 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 Yes. So then Hosanna, uh, now we have made our way back. and We went to California. And now we are back at Youth with a Missions base in Kona, Hawaii. Yes. So we are here serving this fall. Uh, COVID is still hot out and about around the world, the Delta variant and other variants. And um, so we're staying in America, even though we're doing missions. Uh, so the way we do that for now is we're here for the fall semester at University of the Nations, a ministry called Youth with Mission, YWAM, that trains young people for missions. And we so, have 700 of them showing up this week. Yes. From all over the world. Right. And they're ready to get trained up and launched out all over the world. Yeah. So that's our job. Train them up. How launch cool them is out. that? Except tomorrow's cleaning day where we clean the whole uh, <laughs> campus. So we'll be cleaning their rooms for them. <laughs> and cleaning up the grounds. and Yeah. Pulling weeds. Yeah. It's a big campus. There's a lot of work to do. We're all pitching in together. It's a fancy job. <laughs> and we're going to sweat. It's hot here. Okay. <laughs> Oh, no joke. let's tell everybody where we live now. Yes. So right now we live on a coffee and macadamia nut farm. It's organic. Which is up high on a mountain, 1,700 feet. Kind of on the side of a volcano, actually. Yes. Um, so we're hopeful it doesn't blow. I, I don't think it will. Usually it warns you ahead of time, so we should be all right. Well, if it does, it's going to roast some coffee and roast some <laughs> macadamia nuts. Anyway, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we're we're up 
up, up, up in the jungle. We One, live in the most moist. 700 feet above sea level, and the sea is just down the hill, so it's very steep. And we off-road to get up here through, like, muddy Indiana Jones-style <laughs> You know, one lane muddy jungle. Winding through the bush. Up and down, splash, splash. Ah! And there's tons of chickens, like, I don't know, 20, 30 chickens yeah. running around. And, and there's wild boar, you guys. And we see them every few days <laughs> running around. Last night, I thought there was a man outside my window. Uh, it was a, a wild boar. Yeah. And they're all over the place. Yeah. And it's like, it's so rainy here. It's been like living in a rainforest, so... It's it's uh it's tropical <sighs> muddy. Yeah. This is the rainiest month of the year, so yeah. that's why. It's it's the rain. Yeah, rain but we season. are above a certain line where it's wet all the time and a little moist. Right, right. Is, so okay. so we don't have a dryer. We have a washer outside, um, covered with a sheet, um, kind of on it's the, different, the right? back porch. So we wash our clothes outside and then we hang them to dry all around everywhere on clotheslines. Yeah, but there's just not enough to hang everything so Which we've never hung our clothes on clotheslines in our life ex- in america in the mainland but like i think 95 percent of the world probably does so yeah. you know i've hey. done it on mission trips yeah, i did it in have. haiti and other places yeah, but philippines we but did we're but the problem with hanging on clotheslines here is it rains all the time so you <laughs> yeah. have your clothes out there and then it's raining on your clothes <laughs> anyway first world problems sorry sorry we don't mean to complain it's we love it <laughs> it's great it's an adventure for it's sure an adventure so um, anyway yeah. that's enough about that so that's so, where we're at we're in our little apartment underneath the farmer's house yes on the yeah the coffee plantation yeah and it's cool yeah it's uh we're i feel like i'm living i actually feel like i'm living like in papua new guinea because we're so isolated out in the middle we of are, nowhere. Yeah, you can hear tree frogs right now uh, so but all loud. night long, they're tiny, but they're so loud. So, and so dark outside. Like if you go outside, <laughs> you put your hand in front of your face, you can't see your hand. That's how dark <laughs> it is out there. So it's all different and that's all right, you know? So we're we're adjusting to all the different things as we live as full-time missionaries. And uh, we're also taught in the talks to maybe go to bolivia maybe go to cameroon africa we have different plans to possibly travel um in in 2022 in a couple months and we'll be training here at the university of the nation some of the schools so training Uh the young people um, teaching at the schools mentoring the staff we're doing all kinds of stuff anyway we love it it's great this is a great place by the way if you get an opportunity uh to uh do it i highly recommend university of the nations how many and they have campuses all around the world everywhere like 300 and something campuses for university of the nations and ywam bases it's over 2000 so they're all around so we're excited to be here um and trying to help out try to be a help that's why we're here yes so we are on this week question 23. Two, three. All right. Okay, here's the question. How close and warm is your family? And second part of the same question. Do you feel your childhood is happier than most other people's? Okay, wait. Okay. So, how close... And warm is your family now. Right now, I guess it says. Well, you know, it's hard. I have two different thoughts about this. Are they 
are they asking how close and warm is your family from like growing up, like when you're a kid, or do they mean how close and warm is your family, like our family now? Like we have kids that are grown, but which which family? The fa- think, family of origin or the yeah, family? Origin. I think it's going for origin because then it goes into childhood question part two. So well, that's what I was actually. Now that I read it again, read it again because it me, almost let me like it the context. now and then kit childhood. If we go to the both. context of the man who created this, it was for strangers meeting a man and a woman mm-hmm. to ask these questions, oh. get to know one another, and see if intimacy could happen. Right. So I don't think they're talking about their wife and kids when they're talking to <laughs> another single person. I hope not. Unless they're on a dating app, then yeah. that could be the case. Watch out. Watch out. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So okay, I'll read it try one more to, time. Okay. I'll I try to answer this. But anyway, how close and warm, Juan, self, is your family? Part two, do you feel your childhood is happier than most other people's? All right. Go ahead. Okay. So how close and warm is my family? Um, so growing up, um, we, okay, I'm literally hearing wild pigs screaming. Yeah. Can you hear it? In the background out in the jungle right now. Yeah. I hear (laughs) the, I hear the cokey frogs. They sound like they're killing each other, the pigs, but I'm sure they're not. There's also the, they call them cokey frogs. I don't know what, cause they go cokey, cokey. I I think so. If I open the door that you guys would totally hear the cokey frogs. I don't know about the wild boars screaming, (laughs) but there could be a shot soon as well. So watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The farmer shoots the pigs because they destroy his destroy crops. Destroy his crops. In fact, they destroy everything. And then they sell the pig for meat so people he eat it. He gives them to friends, actually. Yeah, gives it to friends Hawaiian for friends meat. And so. they All right. It. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so, uh, yeah. So my family, um, how close and warm are we? Well, I'll talk about my parents first then my siblings. Um, my dad and I talk every week. My mom and I talk on the phone. I feel like I could tell them anything and they would be understanding and kind and considerate and loving and all of that. They, they're always that way with me and I'm grateful. Uh, and they stay in close touch with me, which is really nice of them. Um, my siblings, I don't talk to as often, but whenever we do, we're, we're just, they're super nice to me. I feel like they're very warm and kind to me and, I could ask them for any help or whatever to talk, and they'd always be there for me. I know it. Like your brother was there for you when you needed to watch The Mandalorian, and he let you use your, his Disney Plus membership. I would never do that. That sounds unethical. Okay, but I would do it for The Mandalorian because, you know, I can't give in to that kind of, I can't resist that kind of temptation. Yes, you can. That show is amazing. Next time it's out. I think we need to just, you know, bite the bullet. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I feel like they are warm and close, but I don't talk to my brother and sister very much, even though they're super nice to me. We don't talk that often. They both have young kids, and they're both super busy with work and kids, going to games, going to activities. Uh, So we don't talk that often, but we really do love each other, so I'm really happy about that. Part two, do you feel your childhood was happier than most other people's? Um, That's a tough question because you have like two childhoods. 
pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. Yeah, the pre one was not happier than other people's. The post, I think it was better, I, if I had to guess, um, because when we moved from Oklahoma, not knowing Jesus, and then coming, they basically, once they became believers, they we all moved to the Virgin Islands. They didn't have a, like they weren't gone to work. They were there with us all the time. Mm-hmm. And they were working as missionaries, but we did it with them. We went everywhere. We did everything together. And it was, it wasn't just doing missionary stuff. We went to the beach every week in the Virgin Islands. We went boating. We went snorkeling all the time. We, we really had fun. So I have to say, I, I think it was happier than most because I felt like we went from being a terrible family to a great family. And I don't think most people experience that kind of radical transformation and transition. I did, and I, I'll never forget it. So it went from terrible to awesome, from 10 years old to 11 years old, and then forward. My family has been great to me. And so I have no complaints. Not a perfect family, you know, but overall, I think they're great. So I, I enjoyed my childhood for the most part. Except being, you know, such a nervous kid and, and anxious and mm-hmm. uh, stuff. But that wasn't their fault. I think it was just more me. It was the way I was. I was wound pretty tight and I was pretty scared of everything. But they were so encouraging all the time. They always told me I could do anything. Was that pre-Jesus or post-Jesus? Honestly, both. They were always, like, believing in me. That's they good. always were. And so I appreciate that. Because I know some people grow up with parents that are telling them they're no good and they'll never add up to anything like terrible horrible abusive yeah self-fulfilling prophecy I used to see that when we did urban ministry a lot in the inner city a lot of I hate to say it but it happened a lot of the single moms would have sons and I think because they were angry because they didn't have a dad or the man they were with left them and they were alone they took out a lot of their anger on their sons and I'm not saying all people do this but I just in fact some are amazing moms they give them great educations they they work they're so amazing but some uh I saw a lot of you know you're stupid you're dumb you don't know anything you idiot like I would hear it in the grocery stores I'd hear it in the sidewalks I'd hear it at the playground it was like everywhere and I would I would go in and intervene I, and say, okay, let's not do that. <laughs> well, yeah, that goes over real well. Uh, people hey. love to be uh, criticized for their parenting. No, you do it in a loving way, but yeah, they probably hated it. But Well, I, this happened to me recently. We were traveling on the road, like I just said earlier, and uh, I was in a men's bathroom washing my hands, and I overheard this young dad cursing out his like young, young son in the stall because he wasn't going to the bathroom quickly enough or whatever. And I was like, oh, just to hear the F word. And I was just like, it broke my heart, right? Yeah. But I think it's because hurt people hurt people. And I think that young man probably grew up in a very dysfunctional home where his parents cursed, cussed him out. Mm. And that was the way they talked every day. And so he doesn't know any different um, how much it is like imprinting on his son and is creating damage and stuff like that. So Yeah, cursing is so... (sighs) It used to not be acceptable, but it's becoming so mainstream now. And I always feel like as a woman, if a man that I don't know is standing next to me is cussing, I'm like, what? 
I, was, I can't believe he's speaking that way. There's a woman present. <laughs> like, that's the way I feel. But I think that's kind of been forgotten about mm. that you're not supposed to, if you're going to use that coarse language, you shouldn't, first of all. But if you are going to use it, you never use it around a woman or you never use it around children. It's just, it's damaging. It's, it's, it's violent language. Yeah. It's like bringing violence and hate into your home and into your life and into your relationships. Yeah, if you're listening right now and you experienced that, my heart goes out to you because that just seems so rough. Yeah. Because it's seeds of hurt. Yeah. That you have to unearth and get rid of and let God heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's tough. I remember I saw a mom once and she was from England and moms from England, they go, okay, darling. Okay, sweetheart. Come over here, darling. And I was like, oh, I like that. That they, <laughs> they, they don't say, come over here, Bob. You know, I guess kids aren't named Bob. <laughs> kids aren't named Bob anymore, you guys. Come over here, Bobby. Uh, they, they don't say that. They're, they're like, come over here, darling, honey. And I just thought, oh, it's like these terms of endearment that are just warm and loving and in- encouraging and kind. And I, I took note of it and I thought, oh, it's so nice. And so when I talk to people, a lot of times I try to use sweet words. Yeah, I like that from the waitress, you know. <laughs> they call you dear. Oh, here you go, dear. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> or some term of endearment. Yeah, here, darling. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, like, oh, oh all right. that's nice. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I like Southern it. Southern hospitality. Yeah, in the South. They do it in the South. So we probably have, it's time for a book review. Yeah, let's do it. So this week, I'm going to share a book I just finished. It's called The Spiritual Danger of Doing Good by Peter Greer. Uh, this guy wrote some other great books that I have read like Mission Drift um, which is about how Christian organizations, unless they hold to their values, can drift into becoming just secular nonprofits like YMCA and a lot of the others. Anyway, that was a great book. But this book is called The Spiritual Danger of Doing Good. Love the title. The Spiritual Danger of Doing Good it's by like, Peter Greer. It's like, how could doing good be dangerous? Well, I, I know for a fact it can, having been in, you know, ministry and working with the poor all my life and stuff like that and this man he uh was with world relief he now is the director of is it hope international yeah i believe it's hope international which is like a microfinance for the poor Mm -hmm. um, he went to messiah college developing countries helping people escape poverty got his master's from harvard anyway so this is this is some of the ideas of what are the dangers, for example, the spiritual danger of giving leftovers to loved ones. In other words, mm. like giving your all to your ministry for God, quote, and then having nothing left for your family and being kind of cruddy, yeah. for example, or the spiritual danger of doing instead of being. So like, you know, you're a performer, you're showing everybody this is the way to do things for God and help people, but really... Uh, you're, you're just kind of performing all the time and in your heart, you're full of anxiety and restlessness and fear. And you're not, you're not living out of that place of peace Mm. and the healthiness of God or the spiritual danger of justifying minor moral lapses for a good quote, a good cause. Mm. Like, like like the Disney plus thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, honey. Exactly. You know, it's funny because you are the most honest, upstanding man I've ever met in my life. So that's the one thing I was like, really? Because you've never, I mean, of course, it's a family account and they say you can, you know, use it with your family. Yeah. But it's family. Your, yeah. So it's Star Wars. Yeah. What can I say? Uh, the spiritual danger of using the wrong measuring stick to define success. Like, what's the wrong measuring stick? Um, for example, uh, having numbers be more important, quantity over quality, mm. numbers over people and the individual, mm. you know, and there's a balance there, but it's so easy to like, hey, we look successful, so we are successful rather than the depth. Uh, the spiritual danger of friendship superficiality being very shallow and weak in your friendships. Hmm. And, but because you're so busy being this, you know, you know, person that helps everybody. Anyway, it goes on and on. I'm not going to list every danger, but, uh, they're, they're all very dead on. (laughs) I could say for my life, uh, when you're working to help people, you neglect sometimes the most important things right in front of you. And you just get so hyper-focused you have tunnel vision, like you're working so hard to overcome so many odds to, it's such a challenge. I mean, to, to do something like help the poor and whether it's in America or another country and it's so, you, you just focus all your energy to, to help them so much and then things can, can get out of whack. So I loves how he just, just nails the inner man mm. over and over. Really each question is about what's going on inside. Is it mm. Jesus or is it you performing out of insecurity or whatever? You know, he gets to the roots um, because you you can only make it so long and many people burn out and they even fall. They even turn away from God and they, and they blame God. But they really just didn't take care of themselves and live a healthy lifestyle. Too much, too hard, too fast. You know, so it was about being healthy ultimately. I love that. I, it reminds me of my old uh, saying I used to say all the time to you when you're so busy. I'd say, we're supposed to do less. <laughs> and that's like, what? That's that's the opposite of what you're, you're always trying to do more. Do do more to help people. Do more with you know these people. Do more with your job. Do more with your family. Do more, 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 more. But what if you were to say, hmm, going to do less this year a lot less <laughs> well here's the key and I think this is what I've been really focusing on at YWAM and I've been hearing from different places but God is speaking it to me is if you're whatever your ministry is or the things you do to help people or whatever um, if you're exceeding what you're able to do in proportion to your your heart and your roots with God and your heart with Jesus and him having your mind and your, your being in his hands. You know, if you have just a little bit of time for God and then you're doing all this other stuff, it's like you just run out of steam. And right now, I mean, the YWAM way is more prayer meetings than business meetings. I so love it's like, that. we got to press into God. We need to fill meetings. up on his presence. We need to be in tune and sensitive and walking in the spirit. Otherwise, all that stuff we do doesn't add up to a hill of beans. That's right. You know, it's just like striving and striving is dying, uh-huh. you know, slowly. So I love this book. It, it really tackles something that applies to everybody, especially people who are leading like ministries or peop- helping needy people, things like that. I like how it has the word danger in the title, the spiritual danger of doing good, because I think it is dangerous. 
I don't think people realize how dangerous it is to overwork or to do a lot of things for God, but not being with God. There's, there's real danger in crashing and burning your marriage, your family, your ministry, your whole life can fall apart. So, yeah, it reminds me of the guy who started world vision. What it's happened? a sad tale. Oh, I yeah. didn't know this. And World Vision is one of the greatest, biggest, best best international ministries helping the poor and children around the world. There's Compassion International, too, and there's That's others. A great, there's other great ones. It, I think it's the biggest, though. And, um, yeah, the founder, and they, they're very public about this. It's not like a hidden secret. He, he was very unhealthy. He overworked with good intentions, right? You're trying to help people. But he did damage not only to himself, but to his family. And um, it's a tale to learn from, you know. Uh, and eventually, you know, other people had to take the ministry over to save it from his self-destructive behavior. Mm. So sad, you know. Yeah. But we need to learn from history, learn from people's mistakes, or we'll fall right into the same trap. So, Well, I feel like people who are entrepreneurs or people who are up apostolic Mm -hmm. and start things they have a special drive where they're able to get things done yeah like they can pound it out and so that can be a gift and it can be a curse because a strength taken to excess is a weakness a strength taken to excess is a weakness and so if that's their strength and they use it in a well then it's it'll be awesome. But if they do too much, too much of it. If they exceed healthy boundaries, right? then they're working not out of their identity in Jesus and being loved and having his peace. They're, they're working out of identity of some other thing, of, of overcoming insecurity or showing others that they're a good person or that they're hard worker. Or, or that they're successful, whatever. It's usually based in your childhood, some sort of empty spot you're trying to fill. Right. Prove something to their dad so they'll be proud of them or, right. or whatever. The way you find out if you're in danger, I'll tell you right now, is you go to your spouse. <laughs> and you Your spouse will know. They will know. And they're going to tell you if they're not afraid of you. And they'll say, you know, you say, am I doing too much? Or what do you think? And And you have to come with a humble heart ready to listen and ready to hear but if this is you and you're listening ask your spouse if you're not married ask your best friend or even if you really want someone honest like the most honest person in the world ask your (laughs) (laughs) six-year-old if you have a six-year-old yeah so actually peter greer in the book he actually does describe uh, a situation where he was going over off the rails. He's going over the edge mm-hmm. and it was hurting his marriage and his wife confronted him. And that was the turnaround for their lives to get their. He, he, he was basically anytime he was asked to speak anywhere, he would say yes. And it was just, <laughs> he was gone all the time. Oh, no. And so his wife was like, oh, no. uh, I need your help here. We have kids, you know, yeah. he's like, Oh, uh. so Anyway. I always tell people, and I'll say this again here, which I might have said before, forgive me, maybe you didn't listen to all of our episodes, but what? in the past, I've probably said uh, that, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Well, just go back and listen to that episode where she said something <laughs> that was good. It was so good. Oh, it was great. Oh, oh, I know what it is. That when your kids are young, 
it's kind of a special time and it's really important and you feel like it's an important time for your career. And it kind of is like people are always trying to build their career, but you have another, depending when you got married and had kids, you have a minimum of another 20 years, maybe 30 years to do everything you want with your career when your kids are grown. 20 or 30 years. You don't have to do it all right now. If you have little kids, you go <laughs> and you get that kid and go throw the football right now. Go do it. Unless you don't throw well, football. Well, I think you told me multiple times, like, I think my dad said this too, like, you don't have to accomplish everything this week or this month or, or this, this year. year. Like, there's next year too. And I was In like, fact, oh yeah. You could accomplish this over the next 20 or 30 yeah, years. Exactly. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, but I got to do it now. I have to do everything I ever thought of right now. This all reminds me of uh, <laughs> another book we're reading right now, uh, Emotionally Healthy. Uh, discipleship. Oh, don't bring it up. That's our next books. Okay. We're going to review that breaks breaks. We're going to review that on another episode. So that's the end of our book review. Thanks for listening to this section. Yes. Okay. So Tracy, let me ask you the question now. Oh no, I don't like this question. It's about (sighs) how close and warm is your family, Tracy. Hmm. Do you feel your childhood is happier than most other people's? Okay. Okay, I have a weird answer. All right. Okay. I feel like for me, and maybe for everyone, you know how like you'll have like four kids in the same family, and some of those kids are like, oh, mom and dad are awesome. Our childhood was the best. And some other kid is like, Mom and dad are horrible. They're the worst. Our childhood was murder. It was the worst. <laughs> and they grew up in the same home. They ate at the same table every day. They had the same parents. And how people have different perspectives. So I guess I want to say that I could have either or perspective on my childhood. Mm-hmm. I can think of some of the negative things. My parents got separated when I was preschool, got divorced by the time I was in third grade. Um, I, I wasn't raised in a particularly strong Christian home. Right. And so there was a lot of things that went down that was, were really not healthy or good, uh, for me as a young woman and a young child. And so there's a lot of bad things I could think about or remember, but I actually tend to be a positive person and I remember the good things. And so I choose to forget and leave behind the bad things because I don't want to be a person who carries around like, um, it's like a backpack of, of dead, gross, disgusting memories. I want to drop that backpack and just be free of it. And I fill my backpack of memories with all the happy things. So I, I choose to remember when my parents were married and they used to put on records and we would all dance around the living room together and we'd do the hustle. Dun, 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 Do the hustle. Anyway, 1970s. And I choose to remember Christmas. I choose to remember our hammock in the backyard. I choose to remember our trips to the beach in North Carolina, Wrightsville Beach at the Hanover Seaside Club. I choose to remember the happy times. And I think it's the same thing with my relationship with my parents. Could I 
you know, say there's times they've been distant or I've been distant with them. Yes, absolutely. Are there times where there's been lots of space between us, not just geographically, but maybe not a lot of communication? Yes. But there have also been times um, where we're super close and we talk about lots of things, really deep things. And I know my dad's been really good about calling me and checking on me and talking to me about my thoughts and feelings and working through any difficulty I've been having because he was a specialist and wrote 10 books on executive leadership, uh, positive discipline, um, all kinds of books about managing people. And so we've been in a lot of leadership roles and he's given me great advice and he's just been great, very encouraging And my mom uh, has taken me shopping, bought me clothes, you know, we have fun, you know, hiking or she likes to do outdoors things. She's taking me sailing on her sailboat on the Chesapeake Bay. So I just think of all the good times and all the best moments. And in those times, yes, we were close. Are there times we're not super close? Absolutely. Am I going to just forget about them and not think about those times? Absolutely, because that's what helps me to, you could say, I mean, if you're looking at it in a bad way, you could say I'm in denial, or you could look at it as I, I, it's not, I don't, I don't not acknowledge those things happened. They happened. I don't. But you don't let them. I don't dwell on it. you and I mean. uh, I don't want to judge anyone. I remember, I, I have this a real clear, clear picture in my mind of this man that I knew. He was Greek, had a very strong Greek accent. And I think when I knew him, he was 50s, in his 50s. And he was still talking about how his mom heard him mm. like it was yesterday. And it happened when he was a child, a small child. Wow. And I was like, wow, you're still living 50 years ago, 40 years. Yeah. Like, man, you're trapped in a, a cage. A cycle. Like, here you are telling me, and I'm not even close to you, about how bad your mom was. And I'm like, wow, man, move on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I felt bad for him, but yeah. he wasn't doing himself any favors I by, know. he was holding onto a fence and pain and hurt and wounding. Well, the Bible says, how many times should I forgive them? Mm. Seven times. And seven times seems like a lot. Like if someone's a real it jerk to you, to be. yeah. If someone's a jerk, you're like, Oh, I'll forgive you. Cause I'm a Christian. They're a jerk again. <laughs> two times. Really? Twice. Ugh. Okay, I forgive you three times, you know, and then four, five, seven is six, generous. seven. You think, yeah. Really by, generous. By seven, you're like, okay, <laughs> I definitely am never speaking to you again. Yeah, you're a jerk, <laughs> and I, I filled my quota of seven. <laughs> but the Bible says, so how many times? Like seven times? Like the, I'd be a real good person if I did seven. And the answer was no, 70 times seven. And I, I say this with the... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little side note to this though. I I try to live that way because I believe God gave us those instructions so that we could live in freedom and be happy because He loves us. God wants us to be happy, mm. and and if we're holding on to hurt and pain and and unforgiveness and bitterness, we're not happy. We're not doing well, right? So 70 times seven, basically every time. So I actually try to get myself to forgive someone as quickly as possible. Like if I, if I'm at night and not going to sleep because I'm upset, that doesn't happen to me. But in the old days, I could not sleep at night. I'd be so upset or uh, perturbed about something. And, and that's, and that, 
that's no you good. You didn't do yourself any favors. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know I'm not sleeping. They don't care. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, unforgiveness point. is like trying to take revenge in your heart. Yeah. Right. So, but I did read that book that we reviewed a few episodes ago called Safe People. I mm-hmm. think we did. And that was great because there are people in your life who are destructive and it's okay because I was always someone who would take the person who's destructive or messed up or had a problem and I was going to help them. I was going to help them get better and I was going to be the one that would care about them. I was going to be the one that would hang out with them. Nobody else wanted to be with them, but I was going to love them into the kingdom, right? Well, I learned that I don't have to do that, that I actually, unless God, if God's calling me to do that, I'll do it. But I don't have to do that with everybody who has a bad attitude and is unhealthy and destructive. I can actually just distance myself and that's okay. Yeah. You can set healthy boundaries. Right. You know, you can be close to me as long as, you know, you don't violate my, (laughs) right. You know, you're not disrespectful. You're not, you know, coming to just um, take advantage or manipulate or whatever, have healthy boundaries. So, but the key is with that is that I do forgive them. So like I can think of someone right now who's been unkind and said nasty things to me and mm-hmm. secretly done. And by the way, that's usually people who don't do it in public and private. They do nasty things, mean things, say things, hurt people. And I just choose to forgive this person. I honestly, if I see them, I have no bad feelings. I'm like, God bless you. You know, I love you with the love of the Lord, you know. But am I going to hang out with them? Am I going to invite them to my home? Am I going to you know, share the, my deepest, darkest secret with them? Probably not. Uh, they're not a safe person. Right. I, I love them with the love of the Lord. I forgive them. But I'm not going to enter into close relationship with someone who's, who's hurting me. I'm just not. Unless God says to. If God says to, I totally will. Anyway, so that's the way my, I live my life. And I, that's the way I look at my childhood. Mm-hmm. I forgive all the difficult things 70 times 7. And even now when bad things come up, I forgive, I forgive, I love, and I love. And then I love again. Because with, that's the way it is with family. There are always bad things coming up. There's always room to be offended or to be upset or to be self-righteous or to be angry or to feel hurt. I could do that every day or I could not. And I choose the latter. So part two, do you feel your childhood was happier than most other people's? Hmm. I think before my parents separated, I would say absolutely. Yes. I think my childhood was awesome. I lived in this little Louisville town and at the time it was very country and we had this house in the middle of the woods And it was the days where kids would go out and play all day long. And then... No supervision. No supervision. You were just out with your friends in the creek or down the road. Or we'd walk two miles down the road barefoot to the local pool to go swimming. And we'd sneak through a field with horses and and run away from the horses. And we totally should not have been in there. And we did all kinds of dangerous things. But that was everybody's (laughs) childhood in that era. I we would do the so same thing. Fun. I'd ride my bike for miles yeah. away. Nobody knew where I was. Sure. Sledding. 
thinking and and there was no kids tv ever except for saturday morning so there was no kids tv to watch ever there was there were no cell phones so you had no internet and so you would go out and you'd play and you'd just make up games and you'd play with the neighborhood kids and we'd stay out till 12 at night playing uh granny in the graveyard which was like a scary hide and seek game all around the neighborhood with like 20 neighborhood kids and we had a blast that does sound like a good childhood it, we had a wonderful childhood. So I had a great childhood. I really enjoyed it. I had really good friends. And it was great. And then as I got older, um, we moved. And I lived with my mom in an apartment. Um, but even then, it wasn't too bad. Because I went to Arts Magnet High School, a high school for the performing arts. And we and, and we had so much fun there. So no, I think I did. I, I really feel blessed. I really feel blessed with my life and every all the opportunities I was given I'm very thankful hey, you're driving at 15 I mean who can say that except people who grew up in the depression or something <laughs> and again I could look at that in a negative way that it was a hardship license because I had a single mom and it was to drive only to work because I started working at 14 so I'd go to school and then work till 10 at night so could I be bitter about that? Sure. But instead, I'm like, hey, I had a car and used to drive everywhere. And That's you did not awesome. just drive to school and work. <laughs> you drove everywhere all the time, just like everybody else. Yeah. Unless the police caught me. <laughs> that's true. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. Well, we give you these questions, the listener, so that you can use them with your friends, with your family, sitting around the table. Ask these questions. And uh, this one's kind of a little bit could be go dark. <laughs> so it has, I always hate those, the questions that can go dark. So usually the ones, the questions that are a little tougher, they're better for people you already have relationship with, maybe with your teenage kids or maybe with your parents or well, your friends. I, I think we can go deep with, with, with anybody, you know, if there's an open door. I think that's the whole experiment this guy created is he got two strangers to see how close could they get quickly mm-hmm. by asking deep questions. Um, I think that we keep people at a distance or we keep conversations shallow, um, but that we can go deep, you know, and still use, you know, I don't know, good judgment, I guess, on how much we share and not overshare. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, there's great don't relationships. You know. There's great relationships to be had. Thanks, You're saying thanks you know. for that. Yes. I'm also going to say, uh, don't uh, say, uh, don't say, you know, <laughs> well, like if I want to like say, you know, like, you know, I think like, I like should uh-huh, be able to. Like, sure. Yeah. Cool. Like, you know, there's a, there's a pet peeve. <laughs> it's a pet peeve. It's a public speaking correction. My dad gave me cause my dad's a public speaker that I'm not supposed to say, um, or, you know, when I'm speaking or but like, I still like to say wanna, oh, you can't say wanna. I can. No. You know why? I'm 51 years old and I'm an American and I have the rights and freedom Don't to say I wanna. want to. I want to. Yeah, but I want to say wanna. Don't say wanna. It's fun. These are the things that set you apart. If, you know, I don't know. For um, the good or for the bad, I think, when you're speaking. Anyway, we've been saying it the whole time. So I guess we're, in, we're on the side of the bad. <laughs> But that's okay. We're trying. We're trying to improve. I'll tell you what, people. If you don't like how well we're talking, I'll give you all your money back that you pay for this podcast. Yep. You can have it all back. And you get to listen for free. Oh, you are. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening. We're going to let you go now. And we hope you tune in for our next episode of 36 Questions. See you next time. (laughs) 